Hello. This weekend, Syria gets back underway and we are pumped. We've got everything you need to know about all the new stuff from CR7 to some channel called Eleven. Plus, we'll be talking about Palmer's points deduction, Milan's Euro ban and why neither of those happen and why Italy's second division is going to have 19 teams. From our brains to yours, it's everything you need to know about Serie A 2018-19. Well, we couldn't have a Golazzo without James Horncastle. Hi, James. Hello. Hi. Hi, listener. How have you been? Good summer? Mm. James, you've just come back from another trip to Turin. I have indeed, yeah. What was was going on this time? Well, it was Ronaldo's first appearance in the black and white colours of Juventus uh, in their annual friendly at a place called the Villa Perosa, which is about 40 minutes drive outside of Turin on the way to the the French border. It's the ancestral home of the Agnellis, really, isn't it? It's their summer residence. It is, and it's quite a... a is it Gatsby-esque? It's very bucolic. Mm, um, nice. You have uh, these kind of rolling hills which are covered in, I'd say, 50 shades of green, really. There's all kinds of trees there, and I think probably our listeners might not know this, but um, uh, one of Andrea Agnelli, the current president's ancestors, moved there because uh, he wanted to buy a load of mulberry trees who were attracted to mulberry trees, silkworms. He then sold the silkworms to all these silk factories around Piemonte, and it was the the money from that, which was the seed money for Fiat. That's extraordinary. Yeah. So From those small beginnings. Exactly. Right. Emerges a company which has, in many ways, dominated in terms of its conglomerate enterprises, the world of fast driving, and certainly this summer's transfer activity in football with their daring swoop. But Mr. CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, you went out for his unveiling and for this first appearance. Have you actually spoken to him yet? <laughs> no, because uh, Cristiano has been uh, protected, I think, kept out of the limelight um, by Juventus. I think they wanted to show that they could uh, do a good job of keeping uh, his privacy um, because we all know what it's like in Italy. Um, yeah, players are, are treated like gods. Um, and yeah, he flew in, what, half time of the World Cup final? Um, whilst everyone was tuning into their TVs and um, was then spirited away to a, a golf course where he was temporarily living. And uh, he's moved into a huge villa in the hills just outside of Turin. Um, so even on, on Sunday at Villa Perosa, where I think people were thinking they would get a, a good glimpse of him, yeah, he was taken off at halftime. I think he spent all of, all of the rest of the game in the dressing room. And yeah, you didn't really get much much contact with uh, with Cristiano. Gazzetta's coverage uh, on, on Monday was entitled Di Baldo, <laughs> um, because supposedly him and Di Bala are having a, already showing signs of a really interesting relationship. Yeah, getting on famously. Uh, it looks like the, the best bromance Juventus have seen since Di Bala and, and Pogba mm. uh, were together. And uh, I think it, it was quite important that the player who, was, who made way uh, for Ronaldo was Gonzalo Higuain and not Di Bala. And I think another... Thing that uh, didn't go unnoticed uh, Villa Perosa was that while Chiellini was captain, the vice captain was Paolo Dybala, not Leonardo Bonucci, who's just come back mm. uh, and was, whilst he was at Juventus, was was seen as a future Juventus captain. I think that's that was uh, quite an interesting um, sort of show of respect for Dybala, that uh, even though Ronaldo will have all the spotlight on him and be very much the main man, the focus, I think, of a lot of their marketing campaigns, Dybala is still very, very important to you. All right, he's the new Alex. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, that was that they believe they've got a long-term plan for him to be the, uh, the Del Piero figure. Interesting. Well, let's talk about this season then. 
as they attempt to add an, an eighth straight Scudetto to their Palmares. And they would have been favourites, I think, even without the addition of, of Cristiano Ronaldo. As you mentioned, though, he wasn't the only new face uh, to turn up or, or, or to return. Bonucci's back in a very intriguing deal with Milan. We can talk about the pluses and minuses, pros and cons of that a bit later. But also Emery Chan. Yeah, um, Chan, that was his first appearance as well, for, I think, for, for, for Juve. I saw him um, stripped of everything <laughs> that he was wearing, aside from his uh, his tight whites, uh, because, you know, Villa Pedroza, the, the fans invade the pitch midway through the second half and try and take as many souvenirs as Pet possible. Ronaldo was sad he missed that. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought that because he could show off his line mm. of boxer shorts yeah. as well, but um, sadly not. Um, but Chan, Cancelo as well, who had a very good second half of the season um, at, uh, at Inter um, last season. Um, and I think, um, yeah, Cancelo's probably going to be quite key, really, because um, they've now got two flying wing-backs in Alexandro and, and Cancelo, Bonucci back uh, as well. So the kind of dynamic that they had in, in defence when they got to Cardiff, uh, the last time they were in the Champions League final, is back where they've got these kind of skillful dribblers and playmakers at the back who can give them that little bit extra in the, in the biggest games. And of course, in Champions League terms, they've now got the top score in that competition in the last six seasons. Mm. Is this campaign all about Europe for Juve? Yeah, and I think for the first time, James, uh, Juventus are not hiding their ambition um, to win the Champions League. Um, the last few years, uh, even though the fans have basically said it's all about the um, uh, all about winning in Europe, the club have always said, actually, no, our, you know, Europe is a dream. You know, our priorities are the league, the cup, and then if we do something in the Champions League, that's a bonus. You know, our objective every season is to get into the quarterfinals, and then we see what happens from there. Now, when you sign a player like Cristiano Ronaldo. You obviously can't disguise uh, the fact that you are aiming to to win the Champions League. All right. Well, their league campaign kicks off at Chievo at the Bentegodi Stadium <laughs> Saturday at five o'clock. Following that, Lazio are taking on Napoli. There's going to be a minute silence. You won't be surprised to hear ahead of all Serie A matches this weekend after the uh, terrible tragedy that took place in in Genoa on Tuesday. And indeed, there's some doubt whether Genoa's fixture with Milan. And Sampdoria's game are actually going to go ahead this weekend. We'll, we'll talk more about the the rest of the league and how it's shaping up and how you can watch all this lovely football after this. Ever so excited about the new City A season, which, listener, you can only watch on 11 sports. Who, what, why, how and how much? Let's find out from... Tom Middleditch from 11 Sports. Tom, are you there? I am indeed, James. How are you? Excellent. Well, I'm very well, thanks. Listen, con- congratulations on signing up. This incredibly exciting uh, City Out season. How happy were you all when Ronaldo signed for Juve? Obviously very happy. Um, I mean, we also have La Liga rights, obviously going there, but I think it really adds the the extra excitement to Serie A, which was already going to be a very exciting season. And I think it was a great end to last season, but it just adds to the drama and adds to, obviously, the strength of Juventus. Right, and it obviously made a lot of headlines as well for the league. When when did Eleven decide to go for the Campionato? So we've, you know, we've been rights holders of Serie A for, for, for a while in other markets. We've had it in, in four markets for the last three seasons. We know the league very well. Um, we felt that, you know, the, it's only getting stronger and, 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 and obviously the following in, in the UK is strong. Um, and, and we just felt that it was a real opportunity to, to um, launch ourselves and get out there to, to, uh, to, to an audience that we know is already big and we think we can make even bigger. Okay. How, how do people watch you? 
So the main way to watch, I mean, we've tried to make it as simple as possible. Um, we, uh, you can sign up at uh, Eleven Sports UK, um, and you're able to watch um, at present on on web um, and via our mobile um, application. So it's there, available on tablet and and um, and mobile on both uh, Apple and Google. All right, and but we also well. are um, we have AirPlay functionality, which enables you to put it onto your TV. Um, and we're going to be launching more platforms very soon. Okay. So presumably through smart TVs or maybe through, uh, say, Apple TV, that kind of thing. Any chance that you'll appear on any of the big kind of uh, Sky or BT platforms? So look, we're we're very keen to be similar to, to the way we mark we we are in all our markets. I mean, this is our this is our tenth market, and we're about to launch our eleventh tonight in Portugal with the with the Super Cup. Um, we are we are an independent sports provider. We want to be on as many platforms as possible. So we want to be available to as many people as possible, and we're very keen to to, to get on all to the major platforms. And discussions are ongoing. Equally, we feel that you know digital is is the future, but we also know how important traditional TV is. So so we are very keen to to get onto Sky and be sport and virgin media um and 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 we will we will work hard to do that brilliant Uh, do you have any plans for a a popular sunday night european football roundup at all definitely something that we we are going to look into um and obviously at the moment particularly when there's all the games kick off at the same time it's hard to show all the live games which we want to do soon but definitely something that um we 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 will be looking at um all, all ideas welcome um, from from both viewers and and yourselves and and you know we we just want to really give the league the the presence it deserves in this country. Hey, so what was the Facebook address then for the Juve Kiev game? So it's uh, Eleven Sports UK. Okay, and otherwise people can get a hold of you at uh, Eleven Sports UK the, the website. Is that right? Yep, www.11sports.uk. You can sign up there. We currently have a free seven-day free trial on a month pass, and we also have a, an early bird promotion. So we feel like we're trying to offer real value to fans. Um, it's a very, you know, it's a very good product, and it's also very accessible and simple to sign up. Literally, you can, it should take only a couple of minutes, and you'll be watching straight away. No call centers. Just sign up online, similar to you would with your, your Netflix, and you can watch straight away. You're listening to Galazzo, the totally Italian football show. Right, Mr. Horncastle, who can challenge Juventus? First of all, do you see any weaknesses in this Juve team? I think they're stronger than than last year um, because, remember, they had a Bonucci-shaped hole in their defence. He's come back even though he had a bit of a difficult season at uh, at AC Milan, but uh, I think he gives them... Uh, gives them more, um, and all of their signings basically. You can't say that they're bench warmers. They're there to pad out the squad. They're there to improve the first team. So Chan goes straight into the team. You think? I, I think Chan goes straight into the team because Kadira, although he he had his best season in terms of goals last year, I think had a difficult season, and I think that was borne out in the World Cup as well. Um, but um, yeah, Juve look uh, forte forte. Although there is a strong presence among their rivals. Mm. Uh, it's not Napoli or, or Roma. I would suggest Inter are looking like the likeliest team to really cause La Signora problems. Yeah, and I think this is one of the reasons why there's a, a real feel-good factor uh, in the league at the moment, um, that it's um, getting back to something approximating its former glory because you need both Milan clubs um, to kind of kind of have um, not only strong transfer windows but have, have solid foundations behind them. And I think there's a real sense of that. Uh, Inter, after getting into the Champions League on the final day uh, with that incredible uh, win against Lazio at the Olimpico, 
have been really ambitious in the transfer market. Uh, they've got Rajana Ingolan, who's been reunited with Spalletti. Um, he'd had his best season ever at Roma under him. Stefan de Vrij for free. They basically uh, got a whole new backline. Yeah, they? yeah. It's so. Um, and I'm Salico really, from Croatia, who's shone of course during the World Cup. Yeah, but the player I'm really excited about after watching him in preseason is Lautaro Martinez, mm. Il Toro, um, because already he seems to uh, have a really good on-field relationship chemistry with Icardi. Right, well this is really interesting. I mean, he, he scored I think seven in seven pre-season matches. Mm. Obviously pre-season football's a different beast and there's been a, any number of Inter players who've shone in August. Yeah. Um, Gabigol, mm-hmm. O Imperator, yeah. all sorts of other ones. But when you look at, I don't know, the goal he scored against Chelsea, the one at the weekend against Atleti. Atleti. Yeah, and they oh. won at the Wanda. Uh, and you shouldn't make, uh, as you said, uh, read too much into pre-season, but uh, Inter certainly look like the the strongest candidate um, uh, to take on Juventus this this season. So you see Spalletti using Martinez and Icardi together. How how, do, how would that work exactly? So um, he's been playing just off Icardi in preseason. There's been a lot of talk about uh, maybe Inter going to maybe something like a three four two one with both Naingalan and uh, Lautaro Martinez just uh, behind last year's top scorer, along with Chido Immobile. Right. So that's exciting. How would Keita Baldi, their latest acquisition, fit into this? Inter just have so much flexibility now. Last year they played, for the most part, 4-2-3-1, and I think they want uh, more pace in that team. And uh, Keita Baldi-Diao gives them that, as does Matteo Politano. Mm. They signed from Sassuolo, who had uh, a very good year um, last year. They no longer look like a bit of a slow and ponderous team. Um, I think, uh, and they've got options out wide. Um, they've still got Candreva, even though they've been shopping him around a bit. And Perisic obviously had a very good World Cup. So, yeah, there's a lot to kind of recommend into um, to to make even greater steps forward um, than they did last year under Spalletti. The, the team, in its second year under his manager, should know what he expects from them what he wants for them uh, have a better idea of, of, of his methods as well so um, I think you know Inter um, yeah this is probably the best squad they've had since they won the treble interesting hmm. interesting Napoli and Roma the other two teams that I, I guess you would include in the in the title conversation Napoli who came so close again last season but is this going to be a transition year for them under Ancelotti? I think uh, it's a similar job uh, for Ancelotti as the one he had at Bayern Munich when he replaced Pep Guardiola because yeah he's he's inheriting a team that was like a, a perfect uh, machine really a Swiss Swiss watch which had very fine kind of mechanisms uh, I think he's going to find it very complicated to to try and propose something new for them. Mm. Um, you know, if I was him, I'd just say, do what you were doing anyway. Which I think might be the Ancelotti playbook. Mm. Ironic that you call it a Swiss watch because the one thing he might not have is time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he certainly sort of I think, generated a kind of positive atmosphere. You know, he plays cards with the president. He's had everyone on, on, on the seat singing initiation songs and... Mm. Uh, and doing what Carlo does, he's living in the centre of the city, uh, so he can you know kind of really kind of breathe in the enthusiasm that there is around uh, Naples at the moment. But they have got the worst start mm. of any of the contenders. It's really uphill for them. Um, so, so they kick off Saturday night against Lazio, yeah. and then they're up against Milan at home. Yeah, mm. it's his former team. It's pretty relentless until October. So you know they could already be. I think yeah, pretty adrift come the second international break. So it's up to Carlo to 
really prove that um, you know, this is why he's the most successful Italian coach still active. Um, you know, in terms of what he's won in Europe, you know, three Champions League titles. He's definitely uh, he's got more medals, let's say, than the likes of Conte and and, uh, and Sadi, especially. But um, it's a new kind of challenge for him because after nine years of kind of just coaching the best teams with the best players, he's now taking a taking over a side which is. Yeah, has the fifth highest wage bill in the league. Mm. Uh, he's a bit of an underdog, really. And, and, and one which I think everyone agrees massively overperformed under their Absolutely. previous manager. Yeah, in many senses, it does look like the only way is not up. Mm. Uh, Roma. Roma once again sold off big names. Nyingalen, you mentioned going to Inter. And Alisson, as you know, listener, went to Liverpool. They brought in some interesting players, Oof. though. Yeah. It's a very young team. I mean, James, I, th- I think you would be quite excited about the prospect of seeing a forward line with Justin Kluivert, uh, Patrick Schick, and Cengiz Under. Uh, I mean, they're all they're all in their teens, early twenties. Um, so this 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 team is very much, I think, built for the future. It's got a lot of upside. Uh, there's so much potential in it. Um, I think there was a feeling within the club that if there was a time to move Nain Glenn on it, it is now. He didn't seem to gel particularly well with um, Di Francesco's ideas. He had quite a difficult year last year. But they've tried to add a bit more invention and creativity to, t- to the team. So Javier Pastore is back. Yeah, interesting midfield. So him and uh, Steven Nzonzi yeah. from Sevilla. And uh, Brian Cristante ah, yeah. as well, who um, who scored a lot of goals from midfield for Atalanta last season. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what Nzonzi's signing means for someone like Daniele De Rossi, mm. um, who's the captain of the club will be there for at least for another year. But um, yeah, I, I, I suspect Nzondi didn't sign just to be sort of a backup. But I think one of the strengths of Di Francesco last year was how well he rotated the team between Champions League and Serie A. Um, and he'll have to do that again this year. But yeah, it's a big loss to lose someone like Alisson, who's been replaced by Robin Olsen, the Sweden international goalkeeper. Roma have had a good track record with goalkeepers the last couple of years because they've got a very good goalkeeping coach, Savorani, who's really... Um, responsible for the improvement in Chesney's game and Alisson's game. So I think they'll be hoping he improves. But I think Roma will still be okay for for top four and they'll be looking to win the Coppa Italia um, and repeat or do something in the Champions League again like they did last year. Okay. You'd see, what, Juve top, Inter second? I think so at the moment, yeah. And then then Milan... uh, I'm really ahead of Roma. No, no, I, th- I think I think um, I think Roma will will probably get third, but then again, a lot depends on whether this team can start scoring or mm. t- start taking the chances they were creating last year. Because with now Milan have got Higuain, right? Yeah, who's who's the most prolific striker in the league for the last five years. They did really well in the second half of last season. So, yeah, given they haven't changed a lot and they've actually improved the mm. spine of the team. So, if anyone breaks into the the top four maybe knocking Napoli out of the way, mm. you think Milan might be that side? Yeah, I think uh, Milan were repossessed, right. essentially, in the summer. Yeah, indeed. It was a, a, a busy, a chaotic summer, even by Italian standards, for off-field scandal and shenanigans. Big, big stories going on at Parma, Frosinone, Chievo, still ongoing. The whole second division and, as you mentioned, Milan. We'll talk about all of those things after this. What an exciting summer <laughs> off the field. Well, the rest of the world was off having a World Cup in the summer. What did Italy get up to, James? Oh, the good, the bad and the ugly, mm. I, would, I would say. All right. Uh, which one was the good? Because you had all sorts of court cases, 
all sorts of controversy and drama. Uh, where do you want to start? Shall we start with Panama? Let's start with Panama, who had an incredible return, if you're just joining us, in four years, climbed three divisions, returned from bankruptcy, only to then find themselves dock points and their main goal threat banned for two years. Why? Well, because Emanuele Caleo, who's the goal scorer you're talking about, before their promotion-clinching game against Spezia, decided to uh, WhatsApp uh, one of uh, the Spezia players. The fiend. Uh, t- to say, oh, mate, go easy on us, please, uh, and all this sort of thing. He put emojis on it as well. <laughs> and he hadn't been in contact with uh, this friend of his for quite a, a while. Didn't suggest that they were close friends. Um, so uh, this Spezia player uh, kind of reported uh, him to uh, the ownership at Spezia, who passed it on to the league, who opened an investigation. And uh, as you said, Palmer initially uh, given a five-point uh, deduction. Mm. Uh, he was banned for a couple of years. They've mm. appealed that decision. They have been cleared. Um, and so is he. Well, Calio still has, I think, a ban, and I think he's got uh, a, a fine as well. But it's been it's been reduced. Oh, really? As well, okay. so he's he's no longer out of the game for for a couple of years. Although they do look to have kind of replaced him with uh, Roberto Inglese, Bobby English, right. uh, who uh, who moved from Kievo to Napoli in the summer, uh, but then found that Mertens was sticking around. Milik's still there, and uh, has gone to a new club, which. It's quite encouraging, but at the same time, I'm a little bit disappointed that Balotelli hasn't ended up at Panama because you know, that was that was rumoured to be uh, something that could happen. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be great. Uh, Roberto Inglesi, who moved from Kiev to Napoli for what? Probably about 200 million euros <laughs> in, in Kiev's hands. Kiev are in some trouble at the moment because of what they call a plus valency fetizie. Plus valency, James, is? It's, it's capital gains on players. And there's a suggestion that they've... Overinflated prices in which, uh, in in order to essentially allow themselves to compete, because otherwise they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been solvent enough to take place in, to take part rather in the last three seasons. Yeah, I mean, this all started with a kind of investigation by a, a journalist called Pippo Russo, who writes for CalcioMercato.com. Uh, and he's done a lot of investigations into the uh, George Mendes, for example. Um, but his his, his uh, latest was on on Kievo, and uh, he found it quite astonishing, as I think our listeners will, to to find that Kievo have made something like sixty one million in the last four years uh, on uh, on trading unknown youth players, particularly with with one club, Chesena, who've who've gone bust uh, in the summer. And uh, this led uh, to a, an investigation from the Italian Football Federation of fears that Chievo were going to be relegated, mm. even though they survived after flirting with going down towards the end of, uh, of last season. Now, that was thrown out initially um, because um, the court kind of said, well, we've never tried anything like this before, um, so we don't know what to do. Right. But there will be another hearing in September. But obviously, in the meantime, Kiev will be playing in Serie A. They're not going to be demoted if something goes against them uh, in September. If anything, there'll be a points penalty. Of course, that would have been very embarrassing because Cristiano Ronaldo's first game for Juventus and the spotlights of, of world football will be on Verona on Saturday where he will be playing against the, the flying donkeys. Frosinone also up in Serie A this year. <laughs> yeah, um, this Palermo a- were hoping for that game, their playoff final, which saw Frosinone promoted to be replayed. Why? Because uh, let's say Frosinone's ball boys brought this game into disrepute. Uh, Frosinone 
got quite anxious but desperate towards the end of the second leg of their playoff because this is a team that since they were relegated from Serie A a couple of years ago have a, have developed a real reputation for choking and choking in quite spectacular fashion. Um, so they were in the automatic promotion places last season right until the end. They then got into the playoffs and they lost to nine men Carpi after taking the lead. And this year, again, they were in the automatic promotions all se- uh, places uh, all season, dropped into the playoffs at the last because Palmer overtook them on the final day of the regular season. They get to the playoff final and they're so worried that uh, Palermo are going to come back in this game that uh, their ball boys decide to start throwing balls onto the pitch, which broke up a Palermo attack. Mm. Is it uh, more than one, I think? Yeah, mul- multi-balls, uh, uh, Jimbo. So uh, Palermo were up in arms about that and uh, yeah, not only wanted that game to be replayed, but they were one of the teams that were, were asking that if, if Palmer with demoted points or even relegated with this kind of WhatsApp scandal that uh, them and Crotone would be uh, promoted back to the league. So Mm. it's been a real kind of uh, uh, messy summer, I would say, in, uh, in Italy. Indeed, a bunch of big clubs going bankrupt. Cesena, you mentioned, Avellino as well, and also... Bari, who have now been bought by the Napoli owner, Aurelio De Laurentiis. Yeah, and yeah, they were in the playoffs. Um, they were coached by Fabio Grosso, former World Cup winner, who's now gone on to coach Hellas Verona, has taken the Scottish midfield player Liam Henderson uh, with him. But uh, yeah, more evidence that uh, the system isn't working in Italy because all these big clubs keep going bust, not mm. just Bari, but we're talking about Vicenza early in the year, Modena uh, as well. And, you know, while they're encouraging signs that the league is on the way up again, um, you know, with uh, Ronaldo coming and the Milan clubs finally kind of sorting themselves out, there are still all kinds of problems with all these all these teams going going bankrupt. Right. right. Bari, who would have been in Serie B, their disappearance and re-emergence lower down means that there's, there's a gap and a lot of <laughs> there were a lot of clubs that thought they were going to be taking their places and the likes of Chisena's places. Instead... <laughs> Quite excitingly, City have decided, no, we'll just do the season with 19 teams. 19, yeah. 19, it was An 22. even number. <laughs> yeah. Now, with all due respect to the fans whose teams would have been in City of B, I'm actually quite excited by this because there are too many teams in that division. Mm. The only reason there are 22 teams in City of B goes back to a bizarre decision back in the noughties when Luciano Gauci, saw, who, you know, listeners... <laughs> We'll, recall for we'll do a Galazzo episode on him yeah, at some stage. We, we really must. Yeah. He successfully sued the Italian Federation, and, and the, the, the whole thing was that rather than upset anyone, they just invented extra places for everyone in, in City A and B, yeah. as it turned out. So this, I think a reduction is probably a good thing, kind of a weird way for it to happen. As you say, an uneven number of teams. It might help see a reduction in, in Serie A at some stage mm. as well, which I think is is something that um, the Italian Football Federation and a number of presidents have been kind of advocating for for some time now because they want more quality and less quantity. Um, so I agree with you. I think that is quite a, a positive step, even though it just looks farcical um, that there are going to be 19 teams in that league and all the politicking that is going... It's something like 69 in Liga Pros, the, the third division. <laughs> I mean, the, the politicking, one of the reasons why this is happening is because the, the remaining teams in Serie B, this, is, this means more money for them. Mm. 700 grand a year. Um, so Massimo Cellino, um, who's now in charge of Brescia, was very pushing for basically the, this to remain... Um, the same and and, uh, I think the likes of Catania and Novara who were trying to basically get uh, ripescato uh, as they say put back into Serie B or just put in 
haven't been able to do that. So, mm. yeah, Chilino gets a b- bigger slice of the cake. Now, the other big uh, off-field legal saga of the summer concerned the Rossoneri, Milan. How about we talk about that after this? Milan, James, they've been repossessed by the debt company mm-hmm. and thrown out of Europe, and yet things haven't looked this bright for ages. Why? <laughs> because, well, the hedge fund that has you know, repossessed the club, Elliot, uh, have very solid foundations. You know, this is this is a company worth billions and has credibility, uh, and that is the reason why Milan were reinstated into the Europa League on appeal. Um, but they were, they were banned from Europe for overspending, not for the fact they didn't have any money. They uh, were banned because uh, one of the reasons written up in the report uh, by uh, UEFA as a judicature chamber was that they had a lot of uh, suspicion, scepticism around the owner. They didn't know where his money came from, and that was uh, one of the the real reasons why um, they got rid of him. Now, his uh, regime that he put in place, headed by... Marco Fassone, they said, oh, we're being punished not for the spending that we made last summer, but for the, the three-year period, the last three years of the Berlusconi era. I think that's just posturing to protect protect his own image. But they were reinstated because of the credibility of, of Elliot, right. uh, the hedge fund. And that's why they were reinstated. And you have to say they've um, kind of swept a broom through Casa Milan, got rid of the likes of Fassone, the sporting director, Massimiliano Mirabelli, and brought back Leonardo, sporting director, and most importantly of all, Paolo Maldini. Paolo uh, Maldini, for the first time since 2006? Yes. Um, Part of the Milan structure. And I think what's really important there is Maldini has had offers to come back to Milan in the past, under Berlusconi, and also under Li Yonghong, who is the Chinese owner who, who uh, got thrown out. And he rejected them um, because he didn't think the project was credible. And so him accepting... Leonardo's basically offered to to come in and work with him is a real kind of endorsement yeah. of of what's going on at Milan. Fabulous pictures in the papers of the pair of them in mm. their tight white shirts. Yeah, handsome man. Oh, best looking, <laughs> you know, bored basically. And, and you know club. who might be coming back? Who's going to be interning in September? Hmm. Kaká. <gasps> Kaká is coming back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the the Grande Milan is reforming. Right off the field, on it, Bonucci mm-hmm. has gone. But they brought in Matteo Caldara, who's one of the brightest Italian defensive prospects yeah. around. They've also brought in a big goal scorer up front. Yeah, Gonzalo Higuain, um, who, uh, and I think Leonardo has done a fantastic job in what barely three weeks in the position. You know, he was able to use the leverage that he had in negotiating for, for Higuain, which really came from the fact that Juventus needed to sell him. They needed to get him off the books. And as Higuain said in his press conference, the interest from Chelsea uh, was only from Maurizio Sarri. No one else at Chelsea wanted him, but everyone at Milan wanted him. And so that gave Leonardo the leverage to basically say, uh, if you want Leonardo Bonucci back, um, we want Mattia Caldara. Otherwise, we won't be taking Higuain. So they got Caldara, which I think left Juventus very conflicted, because as you say, he is, the, I think, the hottest defensive prospect um, in the league. And you look at that defence Milan have now, Donnarumma, Romagnoli, the new captain, Caldara, Calabria, um, it's uh, it looks good and uh, young, and young. And uh, what what about Bakayoko just in front of them? 
That's the other big signing of, of this week. <laughs> yeah, they're not going loco about Bakayoko mm. in, uh, in in Milan. But uh, yeah, look, if he can um, resurrect his career and, and show the kind of form that he did at um, Monaco, then um, yeah, that could be a good signing for him. Right. Uh, very physical midfield with him and Kessie uh, in there. Also, the, the Italian transfer window closes at the end of this week. And there's there's still some suggestion that Milan are the most credible destination for a certain Sergei Milinkovic Savic mm. if they if they are able to structure the deal in such a way where they, such a way where they they pay a relatively small instalment but a big one for a loan fee about forty million this summer and the rest uh, in the years to come that would be very very exciting it would be, be the most controversial SMS story since Palmer got promoted <laughs> hey. indeed. So uh, CAS, the uh, Court of um, Arbitration Sportif, mm-hmm. have ruled that they can now take their place in the Europa League. They'll start in the group stages. Atalanta, who were going to be taking their spot, have got their European campaign already underway. They're, they've got the second leg of their clash with Hapoel Haifa on Thursday. But I think they're 3-1 up, are they Yeah, not? they look yeah. As, as good as uh, in the next round. Mm, excellent. OK, well, let's talk about the other teams that are in the hunt for European places. Uh, Lazio will be in the Europa mm-hmm. League, of course, just missed out on the Champions League on the final day. Lost De Vrij, lost Felipe Anderson, brought in Joaquin Correa. Yeah. Might potentially, you're suggesting, lose uh, Milinkovic-Savage. Mm, I mean, it's a big surprise that he's still around uh, at the moment. And for all of what I just said, there is the real prospect of them keeping him, uh, which would be a huge coup because he was one of the most decisive players in the league last year. It does look like they've made moves to kind of re- not replace him, but fill in the gap that would be there if if, if he leaves. So they brought in Milan Badel, um, who'd had a good couple of years at Fiorentina, um, to flank Lucas Leiva. And they've got uh, a couple of wide players. You mentioned Correa. They've got um, this guy, Valon Berisha, who impressed for RB Salzburg last year in the Europa League. And Acerbi has come in for De Vrij, who's, I think, a good a good signing. So I, I don't think there'll be a drop-off at Lazio. Um, I think they'll, they, they will also compete again uh, for the Champions League places. They were very unlucky, I thought, last year uh, in that final game against Inter. But also, I think some of the worst VAR decisions went against Lazio. And they, they perhaps would have had Champions League qualification wrapped up going into the final day had it not been for them. Big year for Simone Inzaghi, of course, with his brother Pippo yeah. now directly up against him. Pippo taking over, and they at, play together, James, at, at Bologna on on Boxing Day because Serie A is they've been playing over the winter period mm. um, for the last uh, couple of years, but this is the first time they're going to have Boxing Day fixtures. Damn, it's going to be quite a special Christmas in the Inzaghi household, mm. etc. and so on. Fiorentina, Atalanta, European hopes. Yeah, I, I think. Um, Fiorentina have got the youngest team in the league and they've made some really exciting signings. Albin Lafont uh, is con- considered like kind of the French Donnarumma. Oh, yeah. And up front, it's really exciting because they've kept Chiesa, they've obviously kept Cholito Simeone and they've added Marco Piazza mm. on loan from Juventus. When I was with the um, Juventus press pack for the game at Villa Parosa, they were all divided about the idea of, of, of Piazza going to uh, Fiorentina and being I think he's been given the number 10 shirt wow. so a player on loan from Juve being given the number 10 shirt uh, for Fiorentina so whether that's gone down well with the uh, Tifoseria at Fiorentina we'll, we'll have to see but okay. um, a really exciting young team they've got Atalanta meanwhile we mentioned the fact they're already doing well in Europe Gasparini's complaining about a lack of signings they did bring in Dusan Zapata mm-hmm. but elsewhere apart from Papu Gomez the goal-scoring threat could be represented by Musa Barrow. Yeah, I mean, he broke into the team um, last year and uh, just 
looked like he'd been on the scene for for, for years. Um, really good finisher for his age. Had been completely tearing it up in the youth team. I know there were some English teams looking at him because it's not just the fact that he scores goals, it's the variety of goals that he scores. He's a really good finisher. Um, so I think he could be uh, a breakout star um, this uh, this year, along with Lautaro Martinez. All right, excellent. Well, three sides came up. We mentioned Frosinone a little bit before, who have kept hold of their place. Uh, Joe Campbell might be joining them. Yeah, I've just seen that. I mean, this is quite interesting really because yeah he's been it's remarkable that he's still on loan from Arsenal uh, yeah um, and there's another player Ola Aina uh, mm. who's, who's joined from Chelsea Bolga as well another Chelsea player at Sassuolo they've also got the Icelandic uh, Emil Halfredson from yeah. yeah 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 I mean Frosinone um, uh, are one of the, the clubs that have built their own stadium they own their stadium uh, in I terms think, of a, where Frosinone is and what kind of a, a, a place it is yeah it's in Lazio and uh, it's known as what the the Chocharia but it's um, yeah I mean I, I will miss the the Matuza because there used to be what apartment blocks overlooking the Matuza where you know people would get on the roof and uh, knock on neighbours doors so they could go and watch it on watch their games on the balcony but uh, yeah I think if you want an idea of what their their own is like um, he named the new stadium after himself brilliant so there you go alright sort of Wigan-esque move <laughs> super uh, and uh, Empoli a backup mm. uh, with uh, Aurelio Andrea Zoli who uh, briefly yeah. was in charge of Roma uh, and was basically um Luciano Spalletti's uh, tactical coach I suppose yeah yeah I mean okay. His uh, his Empoli side were, I think, fifth uh, when he took over in December, and they're still undefeated under Andrea Zoli. Really? Yeah, they they rocketed up and won the league um, by what thirteen points. Uh, really exciting attacking football. He's restored the four three one two that Maurizio Sarri played and Marco Giampaolo had, and they've just pinched uh, Samps, not sporting director but chief scout, who was responsible for find, finding the likes of Schick. Uh, Skrinia, for example. So they broke their transfer record for a guy called Lagumina, who's the uh, Sicilian Palermitano, uh, who was up front for Palermo and did really well in the mm-hmm. second half of last season. So, he's so Empoli could be one to watch. Yeah, I, th- I think so. They should. Def- they'll definitely be exciting. Remember, Aurelio Andreazzoli, the coach, has a, a piece of skill named after him, the Aurelio, which is uh, Rodrigo Tade's mm. um, kind of. I think most people would call it an elastico, but in Italy they call it an Aurelio because he was the the coach who, uh, I don't know if he suggested it to Tade, but yeah, certainly uh, it's it's named after him. Very nice. Um, did you say how you think Palmer are going to do? No, I didn't. Go on then. <laughs> I think uh, I think Palmer will stay up. I think um, there were there were a lot of, of teams last year that were kind of treading water. I think they've they've got enough about them, particularly with the signings that they've made uh, in the last week. Inglese is a good signing, for example. He's a proven goal scorer in, in this league, a real kind of an, an English centre-forward, um, really. Good in the air, good at holding up the play. And they've also signed, I think they've got three players from Inter, one of which, if I'm not mistaken, is, is Bastoni, who was supposed to be the guy replacing Caldara at Atalanta um, and he's seen as to be a, a very good defender coming through. So he'll be probably taking the, the place of Alessandro Lucarelli, uh, right. their, their talismanic mm. captain who went down with the ship when yeah. they were... Washed the clothes. Yes, did everything yeah. and is now taking a position at the club as a, as a director because um, his job was done after restoring them to, to Serie A 
in uh, at the end of May. Right. You mentioned teams treading water. I'm not sure which ones of those are going to make more progress this year, like Genoa, Sampdoria, Sassuolo, Torino and, and Udinese, who are gently ebbing ever downwards. Yeah, Udinese have, have taken a bit of a, a gamble on on this 36-year-old mm. Spanish coach called uh, Julio Velázquez, who last season, I think, took Alcorcón uh, to 13th place in the uh, Spanish second division. So they must see big things in him. Um, they think that they're, the trouble they've found themselves in over the last few years, because they've often flirted with relegations because they've been too conservative um, with their coaches, with the likes of Colantuano, Iacchini, uh, kind of Italian guys who've been around the block. And this mm. is them getting back to being a, a bit more daring. But I think it's a big risk. The, the one I'm interested in is, is Sassuolo, okay. who've got um, Roberto De Zerbi, um, who was coach of uh, Benevento for much of last season. Couldn't keep them up, but they played really good football. Um, they've signed Kevin Prince Boateng. Uh, they have yeah he's back yeah wow so yeah he's been playing as a kind of false nine for them his first goal for them in preseason look at look out for it on youtube it's a, a back heel <laughs> through about seven players uh so there's quite a lot of excitement about uh, uh the prince coming right. back oh, i tell you what there's quite a lot of excitement you know, bringing things full circle in general to see him back see palmer back Maldini back at Milan, Milan back among European contenders, and City are back in the headlines mm. worldwide. Fantastic. Golazzo will be back next Wednesday, uh, in which, amongst other things, we'll be looking back at what actually happens when Il Campionato gets underway this weekend. James, many thanks for being here today. Taking Pleasure. time out from your trips to Turin. It's good to be back. Yeah. And uh, listener, thank you for joining us. Have a great weekend for now from all of us here. It's a Rivadurci. You've been listening to Galazzo, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other podcasts this season The Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and The Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. <laughs>